My message is called Preparing the Soil. How prepared are you to come into God's presence? The truth is that many people go to church every week, but not everyone actually comes into the presence of God. It's not because of God, for His invitation goes out to all. The reason for this incomplete journey is because people have not made the effort to do what is necessary to prepare their hearts to come all the way in to His presence. Do you understand the implications of this problem? It would be like experiencing daily headaches that are debilitating and incapacitating. And so then you get in your car, you drive an hour to a specialist doctor, and then you wait two hours in the waiting room, and you fill out all those annoying forms. And then when they finally call your name, you say hi, and you turn on, you go back home. Isn't that ridiculous? It doesn't make any sense. You would, you would never do that. And yet people do it all the time when it comes to God's presence because they fail to prepare in the way that God has asked all of us to prepare. So to make sure that we have no excuse for not knowing what is required, to make sure that no one walks away without actual devoted time in His presence, and to have no doubt that we have spent time in the throne room at His feet and have truly communed with Jesus so that He can change our lives, we approach our topic today. The way that Jesus gave His wisdom and revealed truth to those around Him was often taught in parables. Picturesque analogies that Jesus told that would be more than just a good story. They would reveal hidden truth to those who had the spiritual eyes and ears to see and to hear what God would have them hear. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus begins at the side of the Sea of Galilee and tells four parables about the kingdom of heaven. We know these parables well. You've heard these parables before. Matthew 13, verse 3. It says, Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, which means a farmer went out to plant seed, to scatter seed. A farmer, as we know in this parable, a farmer sows his seed or scatters his seed into four types of ground, and the first three types of ground prove futile in fully receiving the seed. In other words, Jesus is basically telling the very people he is teaching that many are not suitable ground because they have not prepared the soil of their hearts to receive the seed and to protect it. You see, even though God's word is so powerful, it's like a seed. It comes in us and it can do so much and it can grow and it can do so many things. It can turn a life around as he turned my life around. And so many of yours. But if the soil is not ready or willing to receive the seed, even God is limited. Did you know that? Did you know that when Jesus was growing up and when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth, it said he could not do many miracles there because the people were not willing to believe that he was God. Ah, he's a carpenter's boy, he's nothing special. You see, when we are not willing to do what God asks us to do, it limits God. Simply put, 
God does not override our will to make changes in our life without us agreeing to the changes. We have to be willing to receive Him. We have to be willing to listen to Him and willing to trust Him to do whatever it takes us to become more like Him. In this parable, the Lord's job is to sow or to scatter the seed of His Word. Our job is to prepare our hearts so that we are fully ready to receive it. How do we prepare the soil of our hearts? Well, we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. See, the first thing that we must all do to prepare our hearts is to humble ourselves. What this means is that we have to refuse to exalt ourselves in any way. Pride must be stripped from us. We have to admit that we are broken. We have to admit that we are incomplete. That we have to admit that we are unable to fix our situations without God. This requires us to be vulnerable with God. Being honest and not defensive. Fully trusting Him to see every thought, every hidden motivation, every fear and every doubt that we have. We have to give Him complete control of our lives. It's the only way that He can make the change necessary to lift us up in due time and exalt our lives for His glory so that He can say, see that person over there? Remember where they were? See what I did in their life so they are exalted and give glory to God. Next, we must follow the lead of the prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2 verse 1 says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me, and here's the kicker, and what I will answer when I am corrected. You see, a humble heart and a humble mind is not only willing to admit wrong, but actually expects to be corrected by God. Just think about that for a moment. If you expect to be corrected, if you expect to be convicted, there's no pride to be offended. There's no need to be defensive. There's no excuse that holds any weight at all. The reason why we are defensive at times is because we fear losing something, like our pride, our reputation, our need to be right. If we argue with God or make excuses, our soil is not prepared to receive His word of truth. But if we are completely humbled before Him, then godly corrections can be made and transformations can begin. Matthew 5, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I know my wife likes to tell this story about our son, Josh, who comes up all the time and does work for us around the house. And, and uh, he just doesn't have a lot of patience. He always, always say, Dad, it's not fair. God gave you more patience than me. 
And so when he comes up for like a Thanksgiving dinner, and you know when you go to some place for Thanksgiving dinner, there's still a lot of work. This is in the oven. This is cooking. This is not ready yet, and you have to just wait. I don't know about you, but my son doesn't have a good track record of waiting to eat dinner. Whatever happens in your house. And so he comes in. I'm just going to have a little cup of soup first. I'm just going to have this thing first. And by the time the dinner comes, he's not as hungry as he is. So he doesn't eat his whole plate. I say that because there's times when we think we're coming to God and we are not hungry enough for His Word. We're not hungry enough for change. We're not hungry enough to spend time in His presence. And the Bible says if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. It doesn't say if you're okay and you're open, you're open to the next serving that you'll be filled. And in order to be hungry, we need to spend time with God and knowing that we've messed up knowing that we've sinned, knowing that we cannot reach God apart from Himself. We need to hunger and thirst. And if we know that we need Him, not, not that we're just going to try Him on, but if we know that we need Him like our next breath, then God promised us to fill us with His righteousness. Amen? When a people realize that they are nothing without God, the greatest thing that they crave is His righteousness for their lives. This is a soil that has been broken up, that has been tilled and thirsts and hungers for the seed of God. And His promise to us is that when we hunger and when we thirst for righteousness alone, we will be filled. That's one of the promises that we can claim from God. It is this essential understanding that differentiates the hearers of Jesus' parables. You see, Jesus told many parables in the streets where everyone was around, even just the curious listeners. There are many people that walked away after spending time with Jesus and said, wow, he is a great storyteller. But that's all they got because they were just curious. They weren't sold out. They weren't hungry. Then there's other parables that Jesus told when he brought his disciples alone by themselves and taught them. And he knew that these people sold out their lives and gave up everything to follow him. It matters, it matters greatly on who the listeners are in these parables. Well, in this first parable, with the parable of the sower, there were many curious people in the crowd that he told. Verse 13. He said to them, Mark 4, verse 13. He said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You see, Jesus spoke this regarding the parable of the sower, the four seeds, the scattered seeds. He said it's so important. If you don't understand this one, you won't understand any of them. You see, without good soil that is tilled and prepared and ready to obey promptly, nothing can be received or understood from God in the way it has been intended. This is why Jesus often said these words. I know you've heard it. He said these words all the time. Matthew 4, verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? Do you understand the connection to the soil? Good soil has to do with eyes that are open for the truth. Open for Jesus willing to make an honest assessment of their lives as how they line up with the truth of God's Word. Good soil has to do with ears that expect to be corrected, that expect to be convicted, 
that expect to be told by the Holy Spirit that we absolutely need Him. But when the pride of life clouds our way, it eclipses the sun. More accurately, it eclipses the Son of God from shining on the seed of the Word planted in our hearts. Pride, fear, and an unwillingness to allow every single teaching of the Word to penetrate our hearts and our minds prevents us from bearing Christ in our lives. You see, you can go to church every week. You can read the Bible or hear sermons sermons or teachings. But unless your heart and your mind is yielded to God, completely vulnerable before God, your soul remains unprepared and you will render the seeds ineffective in your life. There's a difference when Jesus tells parables to crowds of curious people than when he gives parables to his disciples. So how do you honestly know which group you are in? Because everyone wants to say, sure, I'm in the disciple group. But that's just your word. How do you know? I'll tell you. If you hear parables and teachings of Jesus, and it immediately brings to mind your wife or your husband or your friend or your neighbor, and you begin to think how much they need to hear this message, that this message is for them, and you wish they were here right now, then be aware. Because your deflection of the truth will lead you to identify with the curious crowd. But if, upon hearing a parable or a teaching of Jesus, you immediately take it to heart for yourself, you immediately search your own mind and your own soul, your soul, by the way, is your mind and your will and your emotions. You take the part of your soul. You take it to your spirit. And you ask the Holy Spirit, in what part of my thoughts, in what part of my words and my behaviors does this reveal sin in me? Then you are identifying with the disciples. Jesus teaches this very truth in another parable in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. This is what bad soil looks and sounds like. Upon coming into the presence of God, this man focused on others and their sins. And this view caused him to be blind to his own heart. He continued, verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. This Pharisee, this teacher of the law, this holy man represents unprepared soil that renders the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit completely ineffective in his life. It's as if he's trying to convince God why he deserves God's blessings, as if God doesn't already know every inner thought, every hidden motivation, 
every ounce of pride, every sinful inclination of his heart before he even opens his mouth. Verse 13, Meanwhile, the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat on his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This tax collector is an example of good soil that is prepared because he has allowed the truth to examine his heart and his motives and his thoughts and words and behaviors. He did not notice or refer to anyone else while in the presence of God. He only saw God himself and his sin. Verse 14, Jesus continued, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now herein lies the problem. Too many people are ultra-focused on what I would call the big bad wolf mentality. They assume that the Pharisees are like the big bad wolf in all parts of Scripture. And since they are convinced that they would never be like this big bad wolf, they're not open to honest conviction of their heart and of their mind when presented with godly truth. Instead of being honest with God, they deflect and naturally assume that the message must be for someone else. And there's nothing in it for them. That's the reaction of bad soil that has not been prepared for God. Yet the one with good soil says in his or her heart, Lord, I am like this Pharisee when I compare myself to others. Please forgive me. Lord, I am like this Pharisee when I focus on others' sins and what others need to do when I am in Your presence. Please forgive me. Lord, I am like this Pharisee when I focus more on justifying my good works rather than on acknowledging and confessing my sins when I stand before You, O Lord. Please forgive me. It's not just the Pharisees who are in danger of giving in to the temptation of pride for they represent the temptations to each one of us. Truth be told, we all have a sinful nature, every one of us. We are all tempted to act and think and speak in certain ways and to believe like this Pharisee. But we must resist this temptation. We must be diligent to take every word of the Lord's teaching to heart for ourselves first. There's an old parable. It's not in the Bible but an old parable about a man called the starving baker. You see, this baker baked the greatest breads, the greatest muffins and pies and pastries for the whole town, but never partook of his own creations, and so he died of starvation. The point is that he spent so much time feeding everyone else and worrying about everyone else that he never fed himself. He was so concerned about everyone else in town that he neglected his own needs in the process. The truth is that churches all across the land have starving bakers. It's time to break this cycle. We must each realize that we each absolutely need Jesus. And this can only happen if each one of us is honest 
and diligently prepares the soil of our own hearts to receive Him without compromise. We must choose to focus on God when we come into His presence. And no matter how good we think we are in our minds, we are not justified by our works. Rather, we are justified by our choice to humble ourselves and to confess openly to the only one who can justify us. And if we are humble, we will respond like the prophet Isaiah when he came into God's holy presence. Isaiah 6, 5. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah represents good soil. Not because he is good, but because he is open to the conviction of his own heart. And notice when he talks of other sinners, he includes himself as one of them. And because Isaiah begins with the fear of the Lord and begins by seeing his own sins first, God responds by sending an angel to minister him, speaking the word of God directly to Isaiah. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Does that sound familiar? This is where this often quoted verse of Scripture comes from. From a humble encounter with God. When a sinner who humbled himself so that he could see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears. Isaiah 6.10 God continued speaking to Isaiah. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and shut their eyes lest they actually see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. You see, the goal of the prophet was to make ready a people for the coming of the Lord. And the only way that could happen was for each person to lay bare his or her heart before God. And as each person took personal responsibility to humble themselves and to prepare the soil of their own hearts, then when God began to scatter seed, it surely would take root. And it surely would bear fruit, much fruit, for His kingdom. I grew up in a traditional denomination where we were incorrectly taught that we had to confess our sins to a priest in a confessional when he was available. Often confessionals were only open consistently during Holy Week. This meant that we would go a long time with our sins not being forgiven. Yet the truth is that God never commanded us to confess to a priest to have our sins forgiven. Jesus came directly to us 
In fact, when he died, if you remember this, when he died, the veil in the temple was torn, which means we didn't need a holy man to go into God's presence. Any one of us could go into the presence of God. That's what his death did for us. He came directly to us, and he died for us in our place so that we could be forgiven every single time we go directly to him. Because after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he took his place at the Father's hand where Jesus right now intercedes for us. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus died for us personally so that we could go directly to him personally we do not confess our sins to a man and we do not pray to dead saints to have our prayers be heard we need only to go directly to jesus that's what the bible teaches in all honesty and in full humility to cleanse our soul to be forgiven to have our slates wiped clean to receive the fullness of His life-changing Word. This is how we prepare our soil to receive the seed of His truth with full understanding of how it was intended. Matthew 13, 23. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the Word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. When you hear the Word of God for no one else but, but yourself and receive it into your mind and into your heart, God will indeed multiply His truth into all areas of your life that He may use you as an ambassador to bring souls to Christ. No matter the temptation your response will be filled with words of Jesus. No matter what comes against you, your response will be Jesus with the shield of faith to stand against the enemy, with the sword of the Spirit to cut down anything that dare come against the Word of God, and the shoes of peace to keep pursuing the kingdom of God. When you bear fruit and produce a 30, 60, or 100-fold, you lead with God's Word and God's heart in every situation. And this momentum becomes contagious with those around you who desire to have the same obedience and same excitement. And then the kingdom of God in this earth is unstoppable. To those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and the power of Your Word. We thank You for the work that's begun today and may we walk by faith until we see that completion of healing in all of our lives. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.